as we're continuing on in John 15, uh, 1 through 11, Stan brought to us just three, two weeks ago the fact that God doesn't help those who help themselves. Well, sometimes he does, but he, it really his desire is that God helps those who ask, who humble themselves and bring themselves before our creator and say, God, I can't do this on my, my own. I need you. And in John 15, we see the dependence we must have on God. And Peter brought to us last week the necessity of continually seeking and abiding in God, in our Savior, Jesus Christ. It's not just a one-time decision, though that brings us into that relationship with Christ, brings us into that relationship with our Creator. But we must continually, day by day, moment by moment, abide in the words of God and in the way of Christ. And so this morning we will we'll turn back into John 15, 1 through 11, emphasizing the third point of bearing fruit for God. That if we are dependent upon God and we abide in Christ and in his words, we will bear fruit. As you are turning there this morning, I'd like to begin with the passage that uh, Stan ended with. In Second Chronicles seven fourteen. it says, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and will heal their land. You see, in the essence of, of this response, this is God's response to King Solomon at the dedication of the temple. Saying, Solomon, if my people will humble themselves, if my people will recognize their dependence upon me, if my people will seek me, if they will spend time with me, or they get into the word of God, if they will serve me, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. This is really the essence of what Jesus is saying here in John 15, 1 through 11. And so this morning, I'd like to ask you to turn with me uh, to chapter 15, and we'll begin in verse 1 and read through 11. Jesus begins... I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered. And men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. As a father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. Will you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, we recognize that you are our creator God, or that we can do nothing apart from you. Lord, that we must abide in your son, Jesus Christ, in his words, in order to know who you are, 
to glorify you and to please you. Lord, we see that in your scriptures, that if we are obedient to your words, Lord, we will bring glory and honor to you in this world, Lord. And as we turn our hearts to this passage, we pray that, Lord, we will again be reminded of our dependence upon you and our our need to abide in you, Lord, and, and that you desire our lives to be lives full of fruit. And, Lord, may we see clearly with the eyes of Christ at this world that we live in and that we live in a way that will honor and glorify you. Lord, be with these words. May they not be my words, but your words, Lord, that you might be honored and lifted up. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Today in this passage, as we look at bearing fruit, first I want to look at the position of bearing fruit, how we must place ourselves in position of bearing fruit. The possibility even exists of us bearing fruit and and. Then lastly, we'll take a moment and look at the fruits that we are to bear, the fruits that we are to produce. And really, I want to begin in in, in verses 2 and 3. He says, Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. And now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. The, The reality is that we have to bear fruit. If we don't bear fruit, we are, we are pulled away, we're purged, we're, we're pulled away from the branch, from the vine. And God wants us to, to bear fruit. And the reality we have to look at is that we stand in judgment someday that we, our lives will be weighed and examined. Are you bearing fruit? Have you taken opportunity to serve God? Have you taken advantage of the opportunities God has given you? And what does that look like in our life? And the, and the position that we have is that in Christ, we can bear fruit. In Christ, we can bear fruit. It's not... Me trying to earn God, religion is trying to bind ourselves to God, try to earn God's favor, but in Christ, because of what Christ has done, I therefore can bring forth fruit if I'm in Christ. Here he says in in verse uh, 2, he says, uh, the branch that is bearing fruit, he purges, he purges, he prunes. It's really the same word that in verse 3 we get clean, he cleanses. It's It's the same root word, in the Greek, and it really says that if you are bearing fruit, God will continue to purge you. He'll continue to clean you so that you'll continue to produce more fruit. And he says this in verse 3. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. We are cleaned through the word of God. We are clean through God's holy word, the scriptures, that if we spend time, if we abide in those words, if we look into the pages of scriptures, we will be continually cleaned. The work of God's word, the living waters of Jesus Christ will cleanse us from all sin. It will change us. It will multiply in our lives the likeness of Christ. It will cause us to look like Christ if we are in the word of God. You know, it's not just enough to name the name of Christ and go around living as if we're a Christian We have to and must recognize the dependence upon being in the word of God. This is our lifeline. This is the living, pure waters that nourishes our soul. And it cleanses us. Jesus says, my words cleanse you. They clean you. We must seek him in the pages of scriptures if we want to see our lives bear fruit. I'd like to give you seven directives to position yourself to be a person to bear fruit in their lives. The position that we must be in must be, one, we need to seek, call, ask, wait, hear, volunteer, and obey. And I'm going to go back through those. But in the scriptures, we see, number one, we must seek Christ. We must seek God with all of our hearts. Diligently search for 
in the scriptures. In Jeremiah 29, 13, he says, And ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart. To seek, diligently apply ourselves to the study of the word of God. To pursue God. He has said, here I am. If you want to know me, it's in this book. Are you seeking him? Are you going to the pages of scriptures? We must call to cry out to God. And Jeremiah again, 33.3 says, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Do you have questions about God? Do you have questions about life, why we are here? Meaning and purpose comes from God, our creator, and he's given us the manual for living in the scriptures. And he says, call unto me, seek me, and you will find me. Thirdly, we must ask. Meaning, Make a sincere request. Sincerely take our needs, our desires, our wants to our creator. In our passage here in in verse 7, it says, If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it will be done unto you. If we want to bear fruit, we must get in the habit of asking our Heavenly Father, of humbling ourselves and saying, God, help me. God, direct me. God, show me what you would have me to do. God, work in this situation, work in our church, work in my life. And then after we ask, oftentimes we must wait for God's response, patiently waiting to receive a response from God. Psalm 27, 14 says, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. If we wait on the Lord, after we have gone to him humbly asking and we're calling on him, and we're seeking on him, we will then hear from God. God promises that if we listen to understand, we wait patiently, he will speak to us. And we see an example specific to Samuel's life, but the essence that we need in our lives is found in 1 Samuel 3.10. And the Lord came and stood and, and called as at other times Samuel, Samuel, Then Samuel answered, speak for thy servant heareth. That needs to be our position. That needs to be our posture that, Lord, here I am. I'm listening. I'm waiting. I'm longing for your words to come for me, for your direction, for your call in my life. I'm not making all these decisions and asking you to come along with me. I'm waiting and asking you to make the decision for me that I might participate in what you are doing. So we're to seek God, we're to call on God, we're to ask of him, wait patiently for him, hear from him. And then comes the volunteering to obediently serve him, to step out, not waiting to be asked specifically, but saying, here I am, God, send me. Isaiah 6, 8, also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send, who will go for us? Then I said, here am I, send me. When God calls, are you ready to go? Are you ready to volunteer? What he might call you to do, only he knows, and he will reveal that in the time. If you are willing, he will show you what you are to do. Maybe God's calling some here this morning to live a lifetime in service of him, forsaking uh, this country, possibly going overseas to be on the mission field to serve him. Are you ready to volunteer? Maybe he's saying, forget the salary package that you just were offered and go into uh, a faith-based ministry to, for your sustenance where you have to depend upon God every day for your life. Are you willing to do that? If he calls you, are you willing to volunteer? And then lastly, obey, meaning to follow through with the instructions. 
My sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. We see in the, in the life of, of the disciples, when, when Christ was beginning his ministry, he was walking and he would say, come and follow me. And these men left their business, they left their career, they left their families immediately and followed him. Not knowing what they were getting into, not knowing what the next three years would hold, not knowing that their leader, who they were going to follow, would be crucified on a cross one day and they would be sitting there in agony and pain because their leader, the one they put their faith and their trust in, was killed on a cross. But they were obedient and they were rewarded. On that third day when Christ rose again and he spoke to them and came back to them and empowered and enlisted them, restored them, and they turned the world upside down for Christ. If we want to position ourselves to, bear, to have a life that bears much fruit, we must seek God, we must call upon him, we must ask of him, we must wait for him, must hear him, we must volunteer when he calls and obey whatever that would look like. So the position is here. Lord, here I am, send me. The possibility, though, let's, let's go back for a moment and just realize that we have the possibility of partnering with God, of bearing fruit for God, of being called into his ministry, into his work, his redemptive plan for history. In verse 5, it says, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. If we just pause here for a second, without Christ, we can do nothing. That doesn't mean you can't wake up and, and live your, your normal life. It means that for eternal value, for any significance, for any salvific purpose, you can do absolutely nothing on your own. You need Jesus Christ to affect this world with the gospel, to spread the kingdom, to live a life that is full of meaning and purpose. You need Christ. And this is the, the simple mystery that God, the creator, who loved us and created us in his image to be in a relationship with him, had to separate himself from us because we chose sin. When Adam and Eve bit of that fruit, they brought sin in into the world, divided us from our heavenly father, and caused death and pain and suffering and disease and cancer and all those other things just come into our lives because of sin. But God loved us so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to live a perfect life, to fulfill the law to be beaten and spitten upon, to be rejected of man, to be crucified on the cross and then buried. And after three days to rise again, conquering sin and death, that we might have that relationship with Christ. The possibility of bearing fruit is amazing. It's a mystery why God would love us so much, filthy, dirty sinners who do not deserve to be in his presence and calls us to the power of his son's blood that was shed on the cross to be in that relationship with him. We must pause at this and say, bearing fruit, just the fact that he wants me to bear fruit for him, should cause us to wonder and astonishment at our great God and our Heavenly Father. We must be people of faith if we want to bear fruit. We must have faith that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he alone is the way to heaven, that he alone is the way to forgiveness, that he alone is the way to truth. Romans 10, 17 says, So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Again, if we want to be people of faith, we must be people of the word. We must know the word. We must live the word. Faith is a matter of knowing what God says, trusting his word because of who he is and living in the light of it. 
Living by faith means doing what the Lord did. Living by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. It is learning, understanding, embracing, digesting, and applying every last word of Scripture. Until, as Charles Spurgeon said of the great John Bunyan, if pricked anywhere, he would bleed Bibline. To bleed the Scriptures would come from him. Do we know the Word of God? Have we applied the Word of God? Have we taken it and soaked it in our lives that we might be like Christ? Paul puts it this way in Galatians 2.20, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me in the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The life that we can live, if we want to have the possibility of bearing fruit in our lives, we must recognize it's not me who bears the fruit. It's Christ in me that bears fruit. This is what he has called us for. This is what he has saved us for, to be his instruments in this world, that he might bear fruit through us. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. God has created us. He has called us into relationship with him for good works. He has called us to bear fruit. That is why he saved us. If he just wanted to give us a get-out-of-hell-free card to go to heaven someday, he would have saved us and took us, and we wouldn't have to live life today. But he has called us to be his ambassadors in this world, to be a light in the darkness, to live the truth of scriptures, to bear much fruit. Which leads us to the fruits that we are to produce. What are the fruits? We keep saying bearing fruit, but what does that fruit look like? The Bible is very clear with the different types of fruit, although oftentimes we look at it and, and we kind of um, glaze over it or we, we don't understand it and make it say, well, it can't be that simple. But two of the passages that come to mind very easily are the great commandment and the great commission that tell us the fruits that we are to bear. The great commandment, which is really when, when the lawyer came to, to Jesus to try to trap him, he says, you know, what is the greatest of commandments? Now, what he's talking to you about is, is the, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the rabbis of their day like to compile the commandments in such a way to make them easy to remember and different, different things that they would do. And they had 613 laws that they were referring to when they say, which one of the 613 are most important? These 613 laws were broken up into 365 don't do uh, laws. One for each day of the year. Don't do this, don't do this. And then they had 248 do's uh, representing, they would remember it by each body part that they considered in their day. So 365 don'ts, 248 do's, which one is the most important? Jesus answered him in, in Mark 12, 29. The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind, with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. You see, the fruits we are to produce that Jesus laid forth, it said, to sum up all the law and the prophets are found in this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your strength, with all your mind, with all your soul. Love him with everything you are. How do we do that? How do we love God with everything we are? We get to know God. We get into his word. We read about who he is and what he has done. I am convinced 
that when we get caught up in our own life and get caught up in sin is because we don't know who God is. We have lost track of who God is. As I was counseling with a friend of mine this, just this last week saying, I'm struggling with sin. I was like, you have forgotten the holiness of God. You need to go back and spend some time in the passages that speak of our God's grandeur and his holiness. In Isaiah 6, where Isaiah falls before the Lord because he's too grand to look at. Our God is a holy and magnificent God. And when I get stuck on myself, when I get stuck in this life and I start sinning, it's because I have taken my eyes off of my God. The fruit, number one, that we must produce is love for God. We must honor and worship him. This is what our, our worship service is designed for, to come in here, to forget what's going on in, in life and society and come in this place and worship God, adore God, love God, honor him, lift him up. We learn to love God by praising him and giving thanks. Hebrews 13, 15 says, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. To bear fruit is to give thanks, to honor and to praise God, to speak of him in our life. And we can only do that by living out the word of God, by fleshing it out, by getting into the word of God, by memorizing it, by studying it, by speaking of it, because then it rolls off our mouth. It comes out of our actions in our life. We need to develop Christ-like character here to love God with, with everything we have. With our, we must demonstrate him. We must imitate him in our very daily life. You know, Christian was the first coined in, in, in Antioch when they were talking about the followers of Christ, these little Christ, these little Christ imitators. They're Christians. They meant it as a derogatory term, and we own it proudly because we are living Christs in this world. We are demonstrating, but how do we do that? We must learn Christ. In Galatians 5, 22-23, we see the fruit of the Spirit is the character of Christ is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. What a great guideline for us to look into and say, where am I at in this list? What am I lacking in? What am I strong in? Here's a list of the Holy Spirit working out in my life. This is Christ's character in these nine characteristics. In these nine words, we see the character of Christ. But here's a, here's a significant thing. Don't open this and say, well, I'm not very meek today, so today I'm going to be meek. Or I haven't shown much gentleness lately, so I'm just going to work on Today I'm going to be gentle. I am going to make Brad gentle. That's not what it's about. It's about saying, how well do I know Christ? If these are coming out of my life, if my life is exuding these nine characteristics, then I know Christ. I've got my eyes fixed on Christ. I'm in the word of God because this is what my life looked like. This speaks of my life because Jesus is in my life because I'm in his word and I'm obedient to his word. But what we like to do is say, I want a part of this. I, I want to make myself holy. I want to make myself righteous. So I'm going to add to this. I'm going to work this out. But Christ wants us to turn to his word, know who he is, and he will change us. In verse 14 of our passage today, it says, you're my friends if you do whatever I command you. You're my friends. He does say, you know, I no longer call you servants, but I call you my friends. And the one thing about friendship and a relationship with Jesus Christ, friendship, if we think of our friendships with others, those who I spend a lot of time with, I become like them. I might 
pick up their vernacular. I might dress a little bit different because I'm hanging out with this group of friends. I might listen to a little bit of different style of music because that's what my friends do. And as I mentioned, each of those things, I can think of times in my life where I changed each of those things because of my friends. I hated country music. I met Lauren, so I started listening to country music. She left. Music stayed for a little bit. That left because my friends changed. You know, I, I, I hung out with my friend Nathaniel, who uh, kind of was a redneck, and so he spoke with a slower draw, and I picked that up for a while because I thought that was cool. <laughs> but I, I wanted to be like my friends. I emulated my friends, and one of the highest compliments we can give anybody is to emulate them, to long to be like them. And that's what God wants of us for him. He wants us to look at his son, Jesus Christ, follow him, emulate him, live like him. If we're in the word of God, daily, seeking out as a necessity, not as an obligation, I need this. I need this. I cannot go on if I don't have the word of God. My spirit, my soul will shrivel if it's not fed by the living waters of God's word. When I turn to it and I'm in it, I become like him. He does the work in me. He changes me into his image, to conforming to be more like him. His character is fleshed out in my life because of him, not because of me. And praise God that he doesn't become more like me, as man often wants him to do. God, become more like me. Get in this little box for me so I can carry you around, and everything's comfortable, comfortable and fine, and, and, and I'm okay with that. But God says, no, that box is not me. You must conform into my image, not me. And so we turn to him in his word. Second Peter 1, 5 through 8 says, And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these be, things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ." You should take some time, unpack that in 2 Peter 1, and look at that list and see, again, a benchmark in my life. Are these things in my life? If they're not, you're not in the Word of God. If you're in the Word of God, and these things are growing and abounding more and more, then you will not be unfruitful or barren in your knowledge of God. That means God's knowledge, the knowledge of Jesus Christ will come out of you and affect everything you do. It'll affect your marriage, it'll affect your family, it'll affect your job, it'll affect your life because of what he's doing in you. So the fruits we are to produce is first, we're to love God. We are to learn to love God by praising and giving thanks to him. We're to develop a Christ-like character. We need to share with those in need. We need to take care of others. It says in the, in the great commandment, the second is like this, love thy neighbor as thyself. We need to love others to share with those in need. Romans 15 puts it this way. But now I go unto Jerusalem to minister unto the saints, for it hath pleased them of Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor saints which are Jerusalem. It hath pleased them verily, and their debtors they are. For if the Gentiles have been made partakers of their spiritual things, their duty is also to minister unto them in carnal things. Wherefore, I have performed this and have sealed to them this fruit. I will come by you into Spain. Now, Paul's saying, look at the lives. These people have, have come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ through the ministry you have demonstrated, and they want to partake, he says, the carnal things, the fleshly things, the physical needs you have, we want to take care of them. They have given a donation, they have collected up, and now this is to further 
the kingdom through ministering to the physical needs of others. We are to share with those who are in need. We are to take care of our community. We are to take care of this world. We are to get involved in the compassion ministries. We are to go to wherever God calls us and minister accordingly. To minister really means to see a need and to meet a need. That's, that's ministry. And then you want, a, you want a gospel ministry because you don't want to just do physical ministry. You want to bring the gospel into. You want to show them why I'm doing this. Jesus says, if you give a cup of water in my name, you've given it unto me. Just a, a service because Jesus Christ is in my life. I want to do this for you. That's how we share the needs of others. So we see from the great commandment to love God and to love others, to, to learn to love God by praising and giving thanks, to develop a Christ-like character, to share with others. And, and it leads us to the great commission in Matthew 28, 19 through 20. It says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. The great commission Winning souls to Christ and helping them grow. That's a fruit that we need in our life. We need to be soul winners. We need to be sharing the gospel with our lives. We must be discipling and drawing people into a closer, intimate walk with Christ. We need to be involved in each other's lives, involved in the community. We have to ask ourselves, when's the last time I got to share the gospel with somebody? When's the last time I got to show someone how they could know God more by getting into the word of God deeper and understand it clearer? I want to read to you a quote from a, a gentleman who is, uh, he's an atheist and he's a popular comedian on HBO, but he was given a Bible after one of his shows by a, a man who attended his show with a Gideon Bible. And uh, to listen to his, his description of this event, he says, he goes, the guy knew I was an atheist. The guy knew that I don't believe in God, but he came up to me, warmly greeted me, he Genuinely, genuinely, um, man, I must have been that cough drop. He, he complimented me and, and uh, he, he said he engaged me in conversation. He looked me right in the eyes with sincere eyes and he gave me this Bible saying, I know you don't believe it, but I wanted you to have this. You need to know this. And he says this, how much do you have to hate someone to not proselyze? If you, as a believer, truly believe there's a literal heaven and a literal hell, and you don't want to proselyte because it might be socially awkward, you must truly hate that person. If there was a truck bearing down on you, there will come a point that I will tackle you to get you out of the way of this. And this, this is so much more important than that. This is an atheist speaking, saying, I don't believe in God, I don't believe in the Bible, but if you don't, if you believe it and you don't tell me about it, you hate me. He goes, tell us about it. If you truly believe it. And then he goes on and he complains about those atheists who say, I don't want to hear about it. He goes, if they tell you they love you, let them tell you. And maybe he will take that Bible. Maybe he will open it and God will minister to him through the pages of scripture and save his soul someday. Praise God for that man who is willing to go to that. A famous person, a famous comedian. Could have been laughed to scorn, could have been ridiculed, but I'm going to put myself out there because I'm winning souls for Christ. What a powerful testimony. 
If we bear fruit in our lives, we will lead people to the Lord. We will deliver the gospel. We are Christ's ambassadors in this world. Another fruit that we are to bear is is prayer. We need to be people of prayer. If we're in Christ, if we're in his word, we will see our dependence upon him and know that we must commune with him. We must call out to him. We must cry out to him. We must pray to him. For without him, we can do nothing. And Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Prayer is a demonstration of our dependence upon God and ourselves position ourselves. God, use me. Bear these fruit in me. Apply these scriptures that I have just read to my life. Open my eyes that I might behold wonderful things out of your law, as David prayed in Psalms. We call out to him so that we might see him clearly and we might live like him. I'm convinced in Ephesians 6 when it's talking about the armor of God. That he goes through all the different pieces of the Roman arsenal and demonstrates them as a position of faith. But the one thing he doesn't do is he just lists at the bottom, he says, and pray continually. And as a friend of mine in college put it, he goes, I'm convinced that, that Paul didn't have anything in the Roman army to compare prayer to. He says, but if he was writing today, maybe he'd put this and pray like the nuclear bomb of prayer. The atomic bomb of prayer, this is huge, this is powerful, it's bigger than the entire army. Pray to your God, your creator. To depend upon God is to abide in Christ and his word, and this will lead us to bearing much fruit. These are the fruits that we must display. Yes, they're simple. Yes, they're something we talk about frequently, but are you living them? Are they coming out? Are they fleshing out in your life? Is Christ becoming more to you today than he was yesterday? This is the Bible's key to the life of faith, to so deeply feed and be nourished by the word of God that it energizes us to live in faith, trusting God's word, living now in the light of his certain kingdom. Are we in it? Our problem is at its root that simply we do not know our Bibles well. We are not soaked in it and therefore we cannot be energized by it. To abide in Christ and his word is to see our dependence, to know that we are dependent day by day to maintain our relationship with him by feeding on the word of God, by communing in his love and his way of life, and by bearing these fruits. Will you put yourself in that position that allows Christ to live out through you? For he has created you for good works. This is how we know what abundant life truly is, to live in the image that Christ has given us. Will you kneel with me as we close in prayer? Gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you in a humbled position, recognizing, Lord, that we depend upon you for our daily existence, Lord. Physically, you sustain us by holding all the world and all the atoms into place, Lord. Spiritually, our lives, our souls are dependent upon your Son, Jesus Christ, Lord. Lord, and I pray that we can take these truths and we can take your word, Lord, and bear fruit this week, Lord, that we can begin to be in your scriptures more. We can pray more, Lord. We can seek you more. We can minister to this world and this community with your gospel, Lord. 
Lord, may our hearts be challenged and, and strengthened, Lord, to be more like your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray today, if anyone here doesn't have a relationship with your son, Jesus, Lord, that today would be that day, Lord, that they wouldn't leave this place without seeking out how they might have that relationship with your son and with you, Lord, and that they can live that truly abundant life. Lord, I pray these things in your son's holy and precious name. Amen.